Pentecost. And I think for about three months on the book on Pentecost, I was going to say the book of Pentecost, that's called the Bible. That'd be, that'd be the book of the Bible if we went to the book of Pentecost. But um, with that said, the, the, we've been in the feast for probably another two or three months. So we've probably been in this study for somewhere between four to four to five to six months. And, and it's been enlightening for me. My view of Pentecost has dramatically changed um, from what it was when I started this study because, you know, I, I, I guess I had a concept in my heart that when we come to Pentecost and we move on from Pentecost to to Tabernacles, and, and now I kind of have a concept in my heart that you never move from Pentecost, that Pentecost I really have a concept going on in my heart. I believe a working of the Lord that's saying to me that Pentecost, Passover, Tabernacles all find their completion in Christ. And if you try to find them anything but in the complete, but in Christ, you don't find the completion of them. And the thing that's unique with the Lord, these, these feasts in the old covenant, they had their day. that I somehow I'm mute, I was muted there. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay. They come to their day and they ended, you know, their week, their day, their appointed time and they ended. But when you come into the reality of Passover or you come into the reality of Pentecost or tabernacles in Christ, see that doesn't end because you're, you're talking about, Really, what Paul writes in uh, the book of Ephesians when he says, uh, "We're you, you know comprehending the length, the depth, the breadth, and the height of Him." And one scripture as we get started in this, and and I and I told you last week I would go through some of the scriptures pertaining to what I was sharing last week, this week, and that's what I intend to do, and most likely move from this week on into the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. So, so that's, that's my plan. But in the book of, of Luke, Jesus says in Luke 24, 44, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem, until you be endued with power on high. And of course, he's speaking of Pentecost. And, and if you notice one thing he says here in this, he says, ye are witnesses of these things. What things? You're, you're witnesses of what's written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning him, of the fulfillment of these things. See, see the fulfillment of all things is found in Christ. 
if if Christians could understand that, if they could get a hold of that, that everything is fulfilled in Christ and they would not look outside of him for its fulfillment, a lot of a lot of things that shake them would no longer shake them. You know, it would change their their mind almost immediately. And I and I've shared this maybe with you all, maybe I haven't on this broadcast, but I probably have. In in when I was young in, in the ministry, the Lord spoke to me one time. Why I believe while I was ministering, he said, It's all in my word. And when he said that to me, what came before me was my beliefs. And it was like the Lord took a measuring stick in my heart and he started saying, is that in the word? Now, I was looking at the written word then. I wasn't even comprehending the spiritual word, so to speak. But it just came before me that much of what I believed wasn't in the word of God. All right. It was in songs. It was in in things that had been passed on. In, in the groups I was in, but it wasn't in the Word of God. And, you know, when the Lord starts dealing with you there, let him, is what I'll say, let him embrace it. Just embrace God and let him deal with you in that that he desires to deal with you. So, so Pentecost is... Christ revealed. That's really what we've come to a conclusion of, that when you look at Pentecost as the, as the fulfillment of the feast, the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, just like Pentecostals have celebrated for all these years, the coming of the Spirit of God, but the coming of the Spirit of God was that you would be witnesses of Him. And the only way you could really be a witness of Him was for Him to be revealed in you. That's how you become a witness of Christ. Christ is revealed in you. And that's what Jesus said the Holy Ghost was going to do. He was going to take that of him, and he was going to show it to you. Now, that's not outside of you. That's in you. Just like the Apostle Paul says, when God separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his son, in me. At that day, you will know I am in my Father. You are in me. In me. And I am in you. So if, so if Christ is being revealed, he's being revealed from where he is. And he is in the Father. And we are in him. And he's in us. So, so you can, you can, when you get a hold of this, he's being revealed from the inside to transform the heart and the mind. And that's what the spirit has come to do. And that's, and, 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 you know, just gathering our minds back up to, to some of the things we've talked about the last several weeks, he's joined us to the work he did in his death, burial, and resurrection. And Pentecost is unto fullness. So when you, when you start looking, if you laid down the feasts of the Lord, and, and we've said this before too, but just, just to 
bring it back into your minds. And we're going to, if you want to turn, we're going to go back to the book of Leviticus again tonight. Uh, Leviticus 23. But to put this into your mind again, if you laid down the, the face of the Lord, the three feasts, and you had Passover, Pentecost, and you had tabernacles, Pentecost is in the midst, in the middle. It joins all of it together because that's what the Spirit does. The Spirit takes of His and shows it to you unto fullness. And then, it, and then what gets even more interesting, if you really want to break it down like this, you take inside of Passover, there are three feasts. So three and one. And then Pentecost kind of stands alone. And then when you get over to Tabernacles, there's three feasts. So you have seven, seven feasts in three. You could even say seven days. And right there in the middle of the week is Pentecost. So it's right in the middle. And the significance of that being in the midst is the spirit. Because the Spirit was going to come to dwell in the midst of a people. That was God's mind in the Old Covenant. And he says it over and over again in the, in the Valley of the Dry Bones when, when Ezekiel prophesied to those bones. And, and God asked him, can these bones live? And he said, he said sure. And he, and he told him to prophesy the Word of God down Toward the end of that, he says, my spirit will be in them. They shall live. My spirit will be in them. I don't know how many times in the Old Covenant the Bible speaks of the coming of the Spirit of God. And the coming of the Spirit of God is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost fully came, was completed, and we looked at that definition, that word fully come. You know, there's a lot of people say, well, there's been multiple outpourings of Pentecost. Well, it really hasn't ended since the day it came because it's a day unto the Lord. It fully came 50 days after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it came in relationship to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on that day, Jesus came to dwell in us, Christ in you. That's what happened on Pentecost. He came to indwell you by his spirit. Glory to God. To bring you into the fullness of himself. And that's really what the, the, the harvest or the ingathering is, is the fullness of Christ. But we receive of his fullness when the Spirit comes. Amen. So back in Leviticus, just a couple things, and I mentioned these last week. The Bible says, and you can read the whole thing, uh, the whole chapter of Leviticus 23 does a fantastic job of laying out the feasts. But when you get down into verse 5, it goes into the Lord's Passover, and then it goes into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then Moses says in verse 9, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, 
that you shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. Okay? To be accepted for you. So here, if you look at this and think upon it, you have here the Passover lamb, the death, the unleavened bread, the burial, and then you have the sheaf of the first fruit, which would be the resurrection. The first fruit from the dead. And he shall wave the sheep before the Lord to be accepted for you on the, on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer that day when you wave the sheep and he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering to the Lord. And the meat offering shall be two tents, deals of fine flour mingled with oil and made with fire unto the Lord for sweet savor. And the drink offering shall be of wine, the fourth part of hen. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that you have brought an offering unto the Lord your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. And ye shall count from the morrow of the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths. So you count from that time seven Sabbaths. Forty-nine days, that's seven Sabbaths, seven weeks, which would be 49 days and then a day 50. That's where you get Pentecost 50. So it's after that wave offering that you count off to Pentecost. And when you come there to Pentecost, you, you, the same thing happens. A wave offering happens. But notice this in verse 17. You shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves, a two-tenth deals. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. When you, when you go back to the Passover feast, there was no leaven. I mentioned this last week. You come into this feast, there's leaven. Passover, no leaven. Pentecost, leaven. Why is there leaven? Because we're included. The earthen vessel of the Lord. Glory to God. So it's two loaves, which I believe may represent Jew and Gentile, is weighed by the priests. Glory to God. So the priest, again, he waves the first fruit of the that's connected with Passover, and I believe that's Christ himself, and you know who the priest is. Now, this is the old covenant priest, but you know who the priest is that waves these offerings before the Lord is Christ, because Jesus drew both Jew and Gentile in his body and crucified them and brought forth in himself one new man. And Paul says two are joined to the Lord, our one spirit. So when we're joined to the Lord, we're one spirit, right? We're one spirit unto the Lord. Glory to God. That's what we are. We become one. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. So, so here were brought by the Lord, joined to him as one. Glory to the Lamb of God. 
And where, where you see this at in Paul's writings, and we, we read this last week too, is in the book of 1 Corinthians 15. If you turn there to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, verse, what verse do I want? Verse 20, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, says, But now has been Christ raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep, so Christ is the first fruits. And then it says, but it, then it says, for since by a man came death, by a man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as an Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. All right. And I know what most people believe when you say at his coming. They believe when Jesus comes again, then we'll be first fruits from the dead. Well, if that's true, then Paul's going to contradict himself all the way through his epistles. Because in the book of Ephesians, he tells us that we have been quickened with Christ, we have been raised with Christ. And we have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. So rather than saying that's true, maybe we don't understand what it means. They that are Christ at his coming. And the word coming here means perusia. So, so the presence of the Lord. So his presence is now in us. We say that Christ is in us, Christ in you the hope of glory. So now we become first fruits unto the Lord because he has indwelt us. That's how we become the first fruits because he has indwelt you and I by his spirit. How many believes Christ is in you? Well, if, you're, if he's not in you, then you're not his. That's what Paul says. If any man has not the spirit of Christ, he doesn't belong to him belong to him, but now we have the Spirit of Christ, and because we have the Spirit of Christ, we are first fruits unto God. And the Apostle James actually says that in James 1.18, he says of his own will, James 1.18, of his own will, and we read, we've talked about his will in the last few weeks, that, that he would gather together all things in Christ in Ephesians 1. But of his own will, begat, brought, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creature. And see, on the day of Pentecost, that's where the church become firstborn from the dead. Christ was already firstborn from the dead, right? He already raised from the dead. He was the firstborn of many brethren. But now on the day of Pentecost, many are joined to him, right? Do we see that many have been joined to the Lord 
Again, I quote the scripture, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And there's one Lord who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we by one spirit are joined to him to be a first fruit unto God. That was the first fruit of the wheat harvest in the Old Testament. That was leading up to the Feast of Tabernacle. And of course, so, so I don't leave this off in 1 Corinthians 15. Back in 1 Corinthians 15, I, I, I shared this last week, but I know some people weren't on last week. So I just don't want to leave, let this go here, and we're going to move on. But, but each in his own order, verse 23, Christ the first fruits and those that are Christ that is coming, then comes the end. Well, you say, well, well Brother Wayne, Paul said, then comes the end. And because we think the end of the world, that's what we think. Now, maybe we don't on this, this broadcast, but that's what many believers think. Well, the end of the world. Well, well the, the word end here is dealing with the goal. The, the goal is met. What goal? That God would gather together all things in Christ. That's what's met here. In, in, in him coming and joining a people unto himself, the goal, and that's what he tells us in, in Ephesians 1, that in the dispensation, well, that I'm twisting Ephesians 1 with Galatians, but in Ephesians 1, it says that God would gather together all things in what? In Christ. So Ephesians 1 deals with the goal of God that, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he would gather together all in one. And that's what he's done. And so here in Pentecost, he's gathered us in one to the fullness of the goal, which we're going to read in a minute. Then cometh the end, when he hands over the kingdom of God and the Father, when he hath abolished all rule and all authority and all power. Well, when Jesus rose from the dead, what did he say? All power is given to me in heaven and earth. So the question you got to ask is, has he not already abolished all rule, all power? He that hath the Son have life. Apostle John wrote that you have passed from death unto life. So you're in life right now. You're not waiting to get in life. Not some glad day when this life is over. Paul said, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. So this life was over through the cross of Jesus Christ. And you have come into a relationship unto fullness. See, the intent of Pentecost is to bring a first fruit unto God to start the view to fullness. Because that's what the Spirit does. He starts the view of Christ unto fullness. But the fullness of him, the fullness of him, that's what the seed is planted in the ground to do, is to bring forth the fullness of Christ, the fullness of Christ. That's why the corn of wheat had to fall into the ground and die in order for the harvest of the wheat that's planted, the seed that's planted who is Christ. 
that's what, has fallen in the ground and died was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're joined to is that seed right there unto the fullness of that seed, unto the ingathering of what he is. And that ingathering of what he is is in a people. It's in a people. Anyway, flip over to Ephesians 1. I've been quoting Ephesians 1, so flip over to it. And I'm going to read out the English Standard Version, ESV. And if you ask me why, I'd say because I want to. <laughs> Amen. So, so Ephesians 1 says, verse 3, Blessed be the God, and I'm in the wrong translation, but it says the same thing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us in Christ with ever, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So if you're blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, quit thinking about the blessings you're going to get in heaven someday. Because Paul says you have been blessed, has blessed us, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So this is where God chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Here comes in his will. To the praise of, the, of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Mark that in your heart. Here's your inheritance. What's in Christ is your inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who, are, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him ye also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, where did, where did Paul say your inheritance is at? In Christ. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. What are we acquiring possession of to the praise of his glory? We're acquiring possession of that that's in Christ. See, see your first fruits unto God to gain what's in Christ. See, what's in Christ is the harvest. That's what God is harvesting in you. 
See, we see, yeah, we're part of the harvest, but he's a but he's planted a seed in us. And he's joined us to the seed that's been planted in our hearts to its fullness, to the fullness of the seed. And, and just, just some things that's in my mind that's in Christ. Acceptance. Acceptance. You go out, you go into the old covenant and you live in condemnation and fear, right? You come into the to Mount Sinai and it was a mountain uh, uh, that was filled with fear that they were afraid to touch. Now in Christ, you have been made accepted in the beloved. That's a whole, whole lot better than the being not accepted, right? So that's part of your inheritance, that you're accepted. That you've been made righteous through him. That you have been brought into fellowship with the Son of God, that you would behold his glory unto his fullness. All of this is your inheritance. That's your inheritance. If we could ever get Christians to look at Christ himself as their inheritance, instead of saying, and this was a saying, I, I probably said it, probably hundreds of times, myself, I want to make heaven my home. I want to make heaven my home. What if, what if the same was I want to possess the fullness of Christ? I think someone said something like that. The Apostle Paul. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. He didn't, say, he didn't write there in Philippians, I want to make heaven my home. He says, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, who has, what, apprehended me, that I might comprehend him. And he says that I might be made conformable to his death if by any means that I would attain unto the resurrection unto his resurrection. So, so what Paul was setting before the church was Christ, that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened in the knowledge of who? Him. So, so this, this, this Christ in you is not this far off doctrine if we read our Bibles. <laughs> It's become a, a far-off doctrine because many believers haven't read the Bible or they've not understood what Paul's saying. See, because Jesus told us in John 14, he said that I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I, where I am, there you may be also. And, and somewhere around verse 10, verse 10 or 12, he tells them, I am in my Father." And my father's in me. He said, Believest thou me not, believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me, else believe me for the very work's sake. So he says, I'm going to receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be. And then he says, 
He's in the Father. And in verse 20, you know, if you just follow that conversation down to verse 20, Jesus speaking of the coming of the Spirit, which is what we talk about on the day of Pentecost, is you're going to know. Well, how many Christians even understand this? That they're going to know that they are where he is. That they are right now where he is at that day when the Holy Ghost come. And that's what the day of Pentecost was speaking of. When the Holy Ghost come, you're going to know that I am in my Father. Ye are in me, and I am in you. That's what the Spirit of God has come to do, is to disclose that of Jesus Christ unto his fullness. And that's what we're looking toward, his fullness. Now, as we start thinking about the Feast of Tabernacles, and we're going to come face to face with the blowing of the trumpet, where do we see a trumpet in the Bible? Jesus' voice to John sounded like what? A trumpet. So it was a voice that sounded like a trumpet. And see, see a lot of people, and, I, and I'm just going to throw this out here, and we're going to open it up, but a lot of uh, church members say, well, the Feast of Trumpets is yet to come, the Day of Atonement is yet to come, and the Feast of Tabernacles is yet to come. Well, there's something really wrong with that. You, to do that, you'd have to take the book of Hebrews and almost throw it away. Because he tells you in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, that Jesus is the great high priest who has made atonement. So if he's already made the atonement, then that means the trumpets already had to have sounded. And that means we don't understand the scripture is what, what, it, what it probably means. Because, because the trumpet is the voice. The trumpet... I believe anyway, is his voice that that begins to sound in our heart and how that voice sounded, sounds in our heart is when he's revealed. That's the voice. And you begin to hear the voice and, you, and like John, you turn and you see the voice that is speaking with you. And you see it just like John in the spirit. You don't see it through the natural, you see it in the spirit, come up hither. Well, what's going up? God said by Isaiah, my ways are not thy ways. My ways are higher than thy ways. So if I'm seeing by the sight of God, then I've come up. I haven't left the planet earth to go up. I'm seeing by the spirit of God. That's higher. Jesus said the same thing. I am from above. You are from beneath. You must be born from above. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So we're born from above. When we're born from the Spirit of God, we're born a heavenly birth. That's heavenly. What's of the Spirit is that of heaven. That's what God's people, for some reason, can't understand. And I and I ask people sometimes, what's greater, heaven or God? So if you have God in you, if you already have God in you, 
if if heaven was a, was just a natural place, and I and don't get me wrong, I believe in heaven. I believe in eternity in Christ, but I believe we we experience it now by the Spirit of God throughout what we call eternity. It has no end. What we're experiencing now in Christ does not have an end. It's God's everlasting good news that he's lavished on us, just like Ephesians 1 says, through Christ Jesus, and he's lavishing this upon us by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Well, I'll stop here tonight. Like I said, I believe next week we're going to move on. If you want the, uh, if anybody wants the recordings that we've done from the start of the feast, you can let me know if you want them just from the start of Pentecost, wherever. I'll send them to you. I've got them in audio files, and and I and you can sit and listen to them. You can call me, question me, whatever. But for tonight. Uh, this is open, and since Brother Chad is, is new to this, I'm going to start with him first and say, Brother Chad, you want to share something?